But I wanted to take a few minutes this morning, and I want to talk about a subject. It's, it's called the last lecture. You know, all of us have those closing moments of our lives where we'll have our final words. Whether it's final words to our family, final words to our organization, even final words to a church. And, and a few years ago, uh, my family, I would take my mom and dad, I would take Joe's mom, we, we would all go down to the coast together, and I would love to peruse through some of those old bookstores. And I came across a book called The Last Lecture, and it became a national bestseller written by a computer science professor by the name of Dr. Randy Posh. Uh, it came about as a result of a talk that was given by Dr. Posh at Carnegie Mellon University during their last lecture series. And professors are asked to consider their demise and ruminate on what matters most to them and then to give a talk. So by the time that Dr. Posh gave his talk, he had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And this is what he wrote. He said, under the ruse of giving an academic lecture, I was trying to put myself in a bottle that would one day wash up on the beach for my children. And if I were a painter, I would have painted for them. If I was a musician, I would have composed music. But I'm a lecturer, so I lectured. So I purchased this book on September the 4th, 2008. Posh died on July 25th, 2008. And the reason I purchased the book is that at that time where I was serving in Louisville, a lot of the people that I served and loved were battling some kind of cancer or other kind of terminal illness. I needed ministry to me as well as I needed to be prepared to minister to others. This book helped me to prayerfully help others. And so with that in mind, I want to establish credibility to deliver a last lecture that you and I must learn how to finish well. Just walking through the congregation this morning and loving on some of you and receiving that love back from you, I know that we're living in a day where a lot of leaders don't do what they're supposed to do. They wind up uh, not finishing well. In fact, I have a quote for you. Few leaders finish well. Don't assume you will be one of them. So that means that we have to be disciplined in how we live our lives, uh, how we love our families, and how we serve one another. And the reason I landed on this particular subject was our senior adult rally this past Wednesday afternoon. Over 170 gathered, is that right, Brother T? 164. Well, ministerially speaking, 300 people came this past Wednesday, right? Amen. But not only having that senior adult rally in mind, today being graduate recognition. And when I looked across the room Wednesday, and I look across the room today, I see a lot of leaders. Many of you were bank presidents, and you were a CEO of your organizations. You were supervisors and superintendents. You, 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 you've done it all, if you will. And now here you find yourself in a different chapter of life, just like the graduates today who have graduated last week from high school, who will graduate this next week from high school and college, they're going to be entering a new season as well. So I want us to look in the Bible today, and I want us to experience several last lectures from God's Word. And these last words spoken from 
or about ordinary people that God used in supernatural ways. One of the things I'm always challenged by is that when I see a bunch of high school graduates and they're about to enter in once again to a, a new threshold, if you will, of being a freshman after being a senior and and they've been the big man or big woman on campus, and, and now they have to start out very small again on the other side, is that God does do supernatural things through ordinary people. I don't know the researcher who did this, but it's been estimated that there are about 800 leaders that are mentioned from Genesis to Revelation. And we have enough information about 100 of them to access their leadership. And then only 50 of them have enough data for an evaluation of their finish or of their conclusion. And this is what the researcher found. Only about one in three finished well. So I began to ask myself a question a few years ago. Joel, as you get older, as you've pastored longer, as you've done more weddings, you've done more funerals, you've served more people, how will you finish? So I want to ask a question. What kind of leader does God allow to give a last lecture? Let me give you just a few things to consider this morning. Leaders who finish well, number one, they maintain a personal, vibrant relationship with God right up to the end. And I'm not going to start calling out names this morning, but there are many of you in this room that I've observed your life the last six years. Then even prior to becoming your pastor, I have known you for a number of years. And what I see as a common denominator for leaders who finish well is that you have a personal, vibrant relationship with God. You still do daily devotions. You still read your Bible. You still pray every day. Many of you have shared with me that you don't just pray once in the morning or once at night before you go to bed. You pray numerous times throughout the day. That's how leaders finish well. Secondly, they maintain a learning posture and can learn from various kinds of sources, life especially. Yes, there's this experiential data that happens when you and I make decisions, whether they are good or whether they are bad. But I'm trying to live a life that I'm willing to learn from anyone at any time. It doesn't matter if their education is beneath mine. I can learn something from everyone. It's called having a teachable spirit. And if you're a leader here today, just as those graduates who are going to be leaders as they graduate high school and they graduate college and go to get a postgraduate degree and whatever they wind up doing, they need to have a teachable spirit. Knowing that I don't know everything and I will not ever know everything, whether it be about ministry or theology or preaching or whatever it may be. And then whatever your chosen field is, have a teachable spirit. Let the Holy Spirit continue to do things inside of you to help you finish well. Thirdly, they manifest Christ-likeness in their character as evidenced by the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. Oh, how many of us have seen individuals who did not finish well, who allowed their Christ-likeness to wane. They became more and more like the flesh. They became more and more like the world the older they got, rather than becoming more and more like Jesus. And when you and I start observing someone and we call them our mentor or our discipler and they're pouring into our lives, make sure they have evidence of the fruit of the Spirit. Make sure they're living it out, not only in public, but also in private. Number four, truth is lived out in their lives so that convictions and promises of God are seen to be real. It means that they have their prayers answered. Maybe sometimes not like they wanted it, 
But nevertheless, they embrace the sovereignty of God even when they don't get their way. Oh, how many of you in this room who have prayed for a healing and you prayed for it to happen this particular way, but it happened that way, and yet you still personified a Christ follower even when you were saying goodbye to your loved one. How many of us have walked through this valley of shadows? How many of us have had to, at that most crisis moment of our life, have the truth of Jesus lived out in our lives? That's what leaders do, especially those leaders who finish well. Number five, they leave behind one or more ultimate contributions. And I thought about this when I look at Zeke, when I look at Danny, when I, when I look at the churches that I've served and I've pastored, that I say, Lord, if somehow, some way, I could leave behind something that matters. You see, good leaders do that. Leaders who finish well, they're not just thinking about themselves all the time. Their world does not revolve around them. They're not the center of their universe. No, they're always thinking of others. How can I serve others? How can I be a blessing to others? And what can I leave behind for them? And then lastly, they walk with a growing awareness of a sense of destiny and see some of it or even all of it fulfilled. There are things that I've prayed for my life that I know that unless Jesus tarries his coming, I probably will not see, but Zeke will see it one day. Danny will see it one day. And I've come to that conclusion that where I am age-wise, I'm okay with that. I'm all right handing the baton off because I'm walking with a growing awareness of a sense of destiny. That God has given me a fragment of time to do whatever it is that I'm supposed to do. And then I hand the baton off. I think every one of us have to come to the conclusion that one day we're not going to be here. But maybe what we have said, what we have taught, what we have preached, what we have sung, and how we have lived will live far beyond once we've been placed into the ground awaiting the great resurrection day. So it's my prayer that we as leaders will learn how to finish well. Now, as I try to close here in just a few minutes, I want to give you a few key Bible leaders to consider today, and we can learn about their last lecture. The first one I want to talk about is my favorite Old Testament character. His name is Moses. Moses, oh, my friend, how his life had an inauspicious beginning, uh, found in a basket, uh, and then from there, uh, he, he became a, a prince in, in the halls of Egypt, and then later on, he became a deliverer. But notice when he was coming to the conclusion of his life in the 33rd chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 33 and verse 1 says, This is the blessing with which Moses, the man of God, blessed the people of Israel before his death. And let me tell you, friends, if we, have a, if we are given an opportunity to be a blessing to the people that we have served before the Lord takes us, let us utilize that moment. Let us, let us take that moment and speak into the lives of our spouse, speak into the lives of our children or our children's children. That's what Moses was able to do. And then later on in chapter 34, it says, And Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands on him, so the people of Israel obeyed him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Oh, to be able to walk with God. Now, to God be the glory that the, for those of us who are in Jesus Christ, one day we will walk with God. But what's beautiful through the Holy Spirit, we get to walk with God right now. We get to walk with God in our businesses. We get to walk with God in our families. We get to walk with God. And yet, all of us, if Jesus tarries his coming long enough, all of us will face death. But how will we face it? Will we finish well? So the last lecture of Moses was a blessing 
on the tribes of Israel and a prepared, competent leader to take them into the promised land. So our second key leader that we want to look at is Joshua. Joshua is so important to the Moses story because he handed the baton off to Joshua. The Bible says in Joshua chapter 24, And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness against us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord that he spoke to us. Therefore it shall be a witness against you, lest you deal falsely with your God. So even Joshua, who was a young man when he took over for Moses, he had to live a long, full life as he led the people into the promised land. And what was his warning? His last lecture was a stone with ears. It was a reminder of who we are and whose we are. So when I see Joe's picture, I am reminded of my commitment as a husband. When I see Zeke and Danny's picture, I am reminded of my commitment as a daddy. When I see my ordination certificate, I'm reminded of my commitment to ministry. So think about what Joshua did. Stones with ears, a visual reminder of our commitments to God, his word, his work, and his people. You often hear in men's and women's ministry this particular verse out of Joshua chapter 24. And I know that many of us, uh, our, our families are now somewhat more dysfunctional than they were before because of changes and things. But I pray that every one of us, if we don't get anything else out of the sermon today, that when we leave, we will declare like Joshua did, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But as for me and mine, we will serve the Lord. We'll do whatever it takes to make an impact and a difference, but also to finish well. One of my other favorite Old Testament biblical characters is Elijah. Elijah, 2 Kings chapter 2. And when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please let there be a double portion of your spirit upon me. And he said, You have asked a hard thing, yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And then down in verse 15, Now when the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho saw him opposite them, they said, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. Over the next several weeks, we're going to be sharing with you about a young man who's going to come on board as an intern in our student ministry. He recently went to another church and he had the opportunity to preach and he shared this with Kenan and Kenan shared it with me. Someone came up to him after the service and says, you sound like Joel Carwile. And I got to thinking about that and I hope that's not a bad thing for this young man. But see, he's in one of my Timothy Barnabas ministries, and I have an influence over him. So he goes to another church and preaches, it's my prayer that one day when I'm gone, that the spirit of Joel will rest upon Zeke, that the spirit of Joel will rest upon others, that a little bit of what Jesus had given me, I've been able to share with you. And friend, it's not just about preachers doing that. It's for every daddy and mama to do that for their babies and for their grandbabies and beyond that each one of us has something to pass on to another. Elijah basically said, what can I do for you? It's a hard thing for you to experience a double portion, but if you see me, it's going to happen for you. Every one of us in this room, whether you like it or not, you're a mentor. You're helping someone else either grow up right or grow up not so right. I pray that we'll always be that example, and I pray one day that when they rest our bones somewhere that they'll say, he or she finished well. 
Now here's another character, and he's not one of my favorites, if you will, but I like preaching about him because he was so real and so human. Let's talk about King David for just a moment. We all know about David's foibles. We know about his failures. We know about his flops. We know about his fumbles. We know about his blunders. But yet there was a, a part of his life that God enabled him because David was a man after God's heart. God loved David even though he messed up and even though he struggled. In 1 Chronicles chapter 29 it says, And David the king said to all the assembly, Solomon my son, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced and the work is great, for the palace will not be for man but for the Lord God. So now David, coming to the conclusion of his life, is thinking about his progeny. He's thinking about those who will follow him. He's thinking about his son. Then in verses 19 and 20 of that same chapter, Grant to Solomon my son a whole heart that he may keep your commandments, your testimonies, your statutes, performing all, and that he may build the palace for which I have made provision. Then David said to all the assembly, Bless the Lord your God. And all the assembly blessed the Lord, the God of their fathers, and they bowed their heads and they paid homage to the Lord and to the king. A lot of the commentaries that I read and consult said that David was not allowed to build the old temple because he had blood on his hands because he was a warrior. But Solomon had not been a warrior. He had simply been a king. Therefore, David paid for all of the materials for which Solomon was able to build the temple. So his last lecture that David gave was a prayer to God for his son and a praise to God before the people. The last 15 months, I've done several memorial services, whether it be a graveside or whether it be at the funeral home or here on our campus. And so many folks were able to speak into the lives of their sons and daughters and how they live their life. I think if David could speak to us, he'd say, don't do some of the things that I've done, but serve the God that I've served. I think that's wise advice for each and every one of us. And so it's important as we think about the future. It's important as we think about what it is that God has for us. Let's now go to Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Nehemiah built and rebuilt the wall around Jerusalem in 52 days. It was an incredible architectural feat. It should not have been able to have been done in that quickly of a time. But notice Nehemiah 13. He says, Shall we listen to you and do all the great evil and act treacherously against our God by marrying foreign women? And one of the sons of Jehoda, the son of Eliashib, the high priest, was the son-in-law of Sanballat, the Horonite. Therefore I chased him from me. So remember them, O oh my God, because they have desecrated the priesthood and the covenant of the priesthood and the Levites. Thus I cleanse them from everything foreign, and I establish the duties of the priests and the Levites, each in his work. And I provided for the wood offering at appointed times and for first fruits. Remember me, O oh my God, for good. So what was the last lecture of Joshua, who, excuse me, of Nehemiah, who had done so much? It was a cry for remembrance. His last words in chapter 13 were still filled with passion for God and holiness. And that's how I see many of you that are a little bit older than I am and, and now you have sort of hung up your cleats and, and, and you're not necessarily as active as you once were, but now you, you continue to live with passion for Almighty God. That reminds me of Nehemiah. Many of you are so aware that Mary was the virgin who gave birth to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You ever thought about her last words that we see in Scripture? John chapter 2, verse 5. And his mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. 
What great advice from a mom. Whatever my boy tells you to do, you just need to do it. Some of us today are not listening to Jesus. We're listening to ourselves. We're listening to our flesh. Today, friend, I pray that we would listen to these words of Mary and that we would do whatever Jesus tells us to do. I don't think anything about leadership and, and finishing well could be complete without looking at the life of the Apostle Paul. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, we know that Paul has been put through the ringer. He has struggled. He has gone through so very much. And now he comes to, to the final moments of his life. Notice with me in chapter 4, beginning in verse 6. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is come. I have fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not to me only, but to all of us who love his appearing. And then down just a few verses, and the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. And then how did Paul finish? He was not thinking of himself. He said, the Lord be with your spirit, Grace be with you. I think his last lecture was an overview of his whole life. Where God had brought him from on the road to Damascus to his final moments. He had fought a good fight, but yet he had kept the faith. He's finished his race. One of the things that I'm learning before I get to this last individual is all of us have a different race. It means that we have our lanes. Years ago when I ran track, when I was at West Limestone... I ran on this relay team, a 400-meter relay, and each one of us as sprinters would sprint 100 meters. Then we would hand the baton off until the last person who would kick it and, and prayerfully would win the race. That's what our race is. It is a relay. It's not just for us. It's not just for what we do. We need to be thinking about even now, whom will we pass the baton off to? Who is someone that God has allowed us to influence and to mentor and to disciple that we can pass the baton off to them one day? For Paul, it was Timothy and countless others. But what about for us today in 2021? That as our church continues to age and get older and a new generation is coming, we saw many of them this past Sunday when we did our child dedication. They stretched out from wall to wall in our building. They are our future. And what will we do to make them successful and allow them to make an impact like so many of you have made an impact? Well, the last person I want to look at this morning is Jesus. Because he is the first and the last. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. What did Jesus say right before he ascended? The Bible says in Matthew 28, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So that message that was given to the disciples 2,000 years ago is still for us today. And what kind of impact and what kind of difference are we making in the lives of others? I know that all of us have been consumed with me, 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 me over the last 15 months. Well, now it's time to start thinking about others. How can we serve others? How can we minister to others? There's only one way that you and I can take our eyes off ourselves and start serving other people, and that's to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and then you will be my witnesses in Athens. 
You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So what was the last lecture of our Savior? Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. We have had an almost 201-year history. This coming August will be 201 years that our church has been a part of Athens and Limestone County. There's tens of thousands of people in our county that don't know Jesus. A lot of them are in our families. A lot of them are our friends. What are we doing? Are, are, we, are we living a life in such a way that they're drawn to Jesus? Because, friend, if they are not, we need to repent. We need to get on our knees and say, Lord, start with me. I'm not worried about everybody else in the room today, but Lord, start with me. I want you to bow your heads with me. I want those of you at home to bow with me as well. And I want you to think about what we've talked about today. Because I truly believe that the greatest days of First Baptist Church Athens can be on the horizon. It's wonderful to think about our past and who we were. But it's even more exciting to think about the future and what we can become. And that means each and every one of us understanding that one day we will have a last lecture. So if you happen to be at home today and maybe this message has touched a heartstring, I would encourage you to maybe click on that QR code. And that QR code will send you to our website and gives you an opportunity to tell us about your decision that you're making. Or it could tell us simply that you were here today and what your prayer request may be. You may also give us a phone call at 256-232-0602. We have counselors right now that would love to serve you, that would love to have a conversation with you, hear your story, and then pray over you as you move forward. You may also email us at info at fbcathens.org. I know I've said a mouthful over the last 25 minutes or so, but maybe the Holy Spirit will take exactly what you needed, what you needed to hear, and apply it right where it needs to be applied. We'd love to hear from you. For those of you that are here on campus, you've, you've heard me the last 25 minutes or so, and, and maybe this has resonated with you because you do believe that God has put us here on earth not just to fill up a place in the pew, but to do something, to make an impact, to do something for others, to serve others. And coming out of a pandemic when it's been me, 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 and all about us, it's going to take a transition time for us to start thinking about others, to minister to others. This past Wednesday, there were so many hugs and handshakes at our senior adult rally. So many people I've not seen for 15 months. Some of you even here this morning that I hadn't seen over the last many months. Where do we go from here? For some of us, we start thinking about our last lecture that, praise God, we will leave behind a legacy as we move forward. We'll hand the baton off to a Wason, to a Joel, and to others because of our faithfulness for the last 40, 50, 60 years. I think if we begin that mentality and start moving toward that, we'll become healthy. Not just physically, but spiritually and emotionally, which is what I believe the Holy Spirit led me to share with us today. Because I know that some of us feel as if we've been shelved, that we've been put away. Friends, you haven't. How you've walked through the last 15 months matters. It matters to me, your pastor. It matters to your pastoral staff. 
So I pray that we will use it as a springboard moving forward to tell more about more people about Jesus this last six months of the year than we ever thought about the last 15 months. How are we going to do that? We go ye therefore, and we make disciples. So, Father, I pray now these next few minutes. I pray for Wason. I pray for our band. I pray for our pastors who will be standing down here in the front. Lord, I pray for others that are maybe struggling. Lord, that don't know which way to turn. I pray that they would find solace and peace in the altar today. Others, Lord, that are at home, that they'll, that they'll call us, Lord. They'll, they'll send a message. They'll let us know where they stand today. So we thank you in advance, Holy Spirit, what you want to do in the remaining time together. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's stand together and let's worship. Amen.